we are in the middle of our series in the book of Acts. And today we're in Acts 2, 37 to 41. Before we get into uh, the sermon, I'd like to pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your grace. We thank you for your hand in our lives. We thank you for the scriptures, which is your inspired word. We pray that your Holy Spirit would illuminate these words and that they would become for us the word of God to us today, that they would deeply change us, that we would be different for having sat in your presence and heard your voice through the scriptures. Uh, Pray for our understanding to grow, our hope to grow, and our assurance and our joy to grow as we are together um, hearing from you. And I pray that we would be filled afresh with your Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen. Before we get into the text, I want to share a video with you. This is a friend of mine named Dimas. He's a personal friend of mine that I met when I was in seminary studying to be a pastor. And uh, he is just an incredible guy. He has an amazing testimony. And I really wanted to share with you what God did in his life. So if you could take the house lights down. This is my friend, Dimas. I'm Pastor Dimas. I um, pastor a church in the Bronx River Housing Projects. Um, I am the president of Concerts of Prayer Greater New York. I'm a father. I'm a follower of Christ. And I come from a very dark past where God was able to bring me through. Um, I was a street god. I was in the drug world. I ran an empire. And uh, 30 of my friends are no longer with us, but by God's grace, I stand here today, a saved man in the Lord. Um, In Winston-Salem, North Carolina, if anyone sold drugs in that area, in the marijuana uh, business or in the crack business, that there were different moments where every last person's drugs uh, was somehow connected to me. And, uh, and that was addictive to have that much power and influence and to be loved and feared at the same time. But also it came with great paranoia of knowing that somebody else would want to take my throne as a street god and would want to murder me. And, uh, and God gave me a lot of close calls where um, just if it wasn't for the miraculous power of God, I wouldn't be talking to you right now or talking on this video. There was a point where the hitman came to take me out. And then I just prayed silently. I said, God, I'm in your hands. And I still felt the peace. And he was like, yo, man, you know what's going on. You know what happened to my brother. And then he just then just pointed the gun towards my head. And I saw a tear begin to fall down his cheek. And that's when I knew. He's about to pull the trigger. And then he just kept snapping it and trying to fix it and snapping it, trying to fix it and snap it. And by the power of God, no bullets came out of that gun. And he knew at that point I was a fighter. So he turned to his friend that was there and they both took off running. And at that point, I just turned to God and said, Lord, whatever you want, whatever, whenever, however you want to use me. My life is yours for the rest of my life. Wherever you want me to go, if you would just 
make it clear that it's you speaking. I'll go anywhere. I'll take any risk. I'll do anything for you. And that was the greatest prayer that I ever prayed. And that was the full surrender of my life, not belonging to me, but my life belongs to God. And that's what started me on the journey of following Christ like never before. Well, Daylight, Daylight was my street name. Daylight was a name that attached to me, you know, when I was leading operations in the dark side. And then when I came to Christ, that name still, you know, sticks. But now it's the light of the chosen one whose God is just, you know, pours through to help other people see a light in this dark world. Well, I knew after examining my walk and my life that programs weren't going to save me, that, you know, though they're helpful, um, I knew morality wouldn't save me, like just in my own strength making decisions. But the difference between me and my 30 friends that are dead was Jesus. So how could I walk away from that and just be like, I'm happy that I have Jesus and I'm doing well. But I said, God, please use me to go in and give this solution to the deadliest disease in the world, which is not HIV, but it's SIN. And I knew that God could help me liberate people. And that's why this book is here today. I want to liberate people from the power of darkness. Dimas is an amazing guy. I was in school with him at, in 2012, and I didn't know his full story, but we, we went to Ireland together for, for a class, a leadership class, and uh, just could tell he was a, somebody who deeply knew God. And I do recommend if you want to read a, a light reading for the holiday season. <laughs> if you want some light reading for the holiday season, Street God, consider it. It's a very good, good stuff. We are in Acts 2.37-41. We are, we are hearing Peter's speech to the people that are gathered. The Holy Spirit's fallen on this group. They're speaking in tongues. Peter has shared about Jesus, how he was handed over by evil men, and he was crucified, and then he resurrected and ascended to God's right hand and poured out what the people were seeing and hearing that day when the Holy Spirit fell, and people were speaking the gospel in every known language so everyone could hear the gospel in their own language. So Peter's explaining that to them. And they are now responding to his message. It says this. When the people heard this, they were cut to the heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent, be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins. And you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Here's the question I want to ask you. And I believe that this passage today is asking you as we start. How do you need Jesus to save you 
in particular today. <laughs> Not just in general, but in particular. How do you need Jesus to save you? For my friend Dimas, it was really, it's very obvious. He was in a very tight position. He was obviously doing shady stuff. And he came to this place where someone pulled a gun on him. And he knew, I need Jesus to save me. A program, a strict uh, regimen of moral training, nothing's going to save me but Jesus. I need Jesus to save me. And for him in that moment, he surrendered. And he experienced the power of Christ to transform him from the street God into a man who is really following Christ in some crazy and interesting ways these days. For him, it was obvious. But for all of us, this is an equally applicable message. We often don't feel the urgency of a gun against our head, like, like Dimas did. But all of us also equally need to be saved by Jesus. Not just our long-term salvation of going to heaven when we die. We need to be saved from a lot of different things in our lives. We need the power of God. We need the presence of God to liberate us, to change us, and to save us. So the question is, how do you need Jesus to save you in particular today when you reflect on your life? How do you need Jesus to intervene and to help you in your life? For many of us, we know there is something in our life that we need to repent from, to turn from, to change our mind about, and to walk towards Christ with but we've been unwilling to do it because the bottom, the rock bottom, has not smacked us in the face yet. So we just walk. We just keep walking. By God's grace, we keep walking. But it's almost an advantage for someone like Demos, who just came face to face with this thing, and it's like, obviously you need to do this, right? But most of us, we know there's things we need to repent of, to turn from, to receive the liberating power of the Holy Spirit to save us, but we just keep walking in it because we haven't hit that rock bottom. Jesus said, What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world, yet forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? This is a common experience. Even Christians are willing to forfeit their soul, willing to sacrifice and do things that are contrary to what they know God wants them to do, and live how they please, and not yield to God's ideas of morality, of what God would have them to do in a situation. Many people are willing to forfeit their souls. Uh, And that's such a sad thing. Until we hit rock bottom, sometimes we just don't have the motivation that we need. But each of us, nonetheless, needs to be saved. We need to be saved for our salvation by Jesus, meaning that, as it says in this passage, repenting, turning from sin, being baptized, receiving forgiveness in the Holy Spirit, we need that. But we also, it doesn't, the dependence on Christ does not end the day that you become a Christian. We need Jesus to save us from the many different things that so easily entangle us and keep us away. These people that heard Peter's message, they, they probably had a lot of defenses up initially. They were probably hard-hearted and calloused of heart. But when they heard Peter's message, repent, be baptized, you know, Jesus dying on the cross for your sins, they were cut to the heart. It got right through all their defenses. And the only thing they could, they could say was, what do we do? Like, what do we do? How do we, how do we 
change? What is the answer? And Peter gave them two things. He said, repent and be baptized. And he said that if you do those two things, you will receive these two things for sure. Forgiveness from sins and the gift of the Holy Spirit. Forgiveness of sins and the gift from the Holy Spirit. So we need to repent, turn from our sins, be baptized. Being baptized is a public way to say, I am with Jesus. I am one of God's people. It's an outward sign of the inward reality of our salvation. So it doesn't save us, but it's, it's evidence It's evidence of what's happened inside of us. Repent, turn from your sin, and be baptized. And what will you get? You will get forgiveness. This is something that can be cheapened in our mind when we don't think about it. But forgiveness from sins. I love in River Dwellers, Rob Reamer, in the book we read in our small groups, talks about how Jesus has provided this, given us this provision so that we can be forgiven. All we need to do is come to him and ask for it. If you confess your sins, he is faithful and just to forgive you of your sins and cleanse you from all unrighteousness. So we have this amazing gift. All we have to do is ask for it. Our restoration to Jesus is, is, is a breath away, literally. Yet we so, we so often sit on the riverbanks and just, we haven't hit rock bottom, so we just live with it. We just live with it. We don't think to ourselves, I need to be saved from these things. We think, I'll just keep walking this way and Hopefully everything will be all right. So we, we receive forgiveness when we repent and are baptized, and we receive the gift of the Spirit. And this is something that, you know, when you, when you turn from your sin, when you decide that you are no longer okay living in a way that you know is contrary to God's will for your life, God's moral will for your life, as revealed in Scripture, as, as revealed in your conscience and how you are uh, convicted, when we decide to do that, and we really turn around towards Christ, which is what repentance means, turning around towards Christ, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. We can't break the power of sin on our own. Believe me, I've tried. You just can't break the power of sin. You can, you can try to be disciplined. Many, of, many, many folks here, I'm sure, have been through 12-step programs. It takes you so far. It takes you so far. You can, you can change some behaviors. But to really get deep, deep down in your heart, you need the Holy Spirit. And when you turn to God, when you repent, and you turn towards God, you receive forgiveness, but you also receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. And the really awesome thing about this passage is, yeah, he's preaching this to a crowd, right? So we say, no, that was for them. But what does it say? It says, this is for you, for your children, and all who are far off. For all the Lord our God will call. So who is this passage for? It's for us in the modern church, because we've been called by Jesus. It's, it's for us. We are far off. We've wandered away. And many of us who are Christians have also likewise wandered away from the river of life. We're still saved, but we are not walking in a peaceful, abiding relationship with God uh, through the Holy Spirit. But this is for all the Lord will call and those who are far off. That's a great comfort. So when you read this passage, this is for you. This was written for you. It's addressed to you as a Christian or as someone who doesn't know Christ yet and doesn't have a relationship. 
Repent. Be baptized. Receive the gift of forgiveness. Receive the Holy Spirit. And once you surrender to God, all of the resources of God's heaven fall on you to walk in the new way of life. They really do. When you give God all of you, he gives you all of him. That's how it, this just seems to be how it works. The part of the passage that really stuck out to me was in the, in the final verse. And even after he gives them this salvation message, repent, be baptized, uh, receive forgiveness, receive the Holy Spirit, he still feels very impassioned. He doesn't feel like this message is over in the least. He feels like there's something more he needs to say. With many other words, he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. He's saying, right now, there's a world system that is trying to, that agrees with, what, with your flesh, right? The way that you just naturally, your, your natural cravings, the lusts of the flesh, in every respect, the, the desire for wealth and placing things before God. The world system actually is like totally dovetailed into that thing in you. So, so it's, you need to really be intentionally save yourself from this corrupt generation because if, if you are not conscious of it, you can easily just be sucked into this world system and your flesh is like, this is great. This is exactly what I was built for. And you can be sucked into this thing. And so he pleads with them. He says, with many words, he warned them and pleaded with them, save yourself from this corrupt generation. A few years ago, I was at Chimney Mountain. You know where that is in Indian Lake? Chimney Mountain? And there's caves there. And I was very nervous about it. But I decided to go in the cave and kind of get around the rocks and, and do that. And I was with a group of friends. Nathan Chandler may have been there, my, my brother-in-law. And there's this one part, if you've been there, where there's a wall that you have to get down. And that was something that I was really nervous about. So we tied a rope, and we were basically rappelling down this wall. And uh, as nervous as I was, I just said, I'm going to do it. So I started climbing down. And I just lost the rope because I was, I was panicking and I held onto it really tight and then I just dropped it and I fell towards the cave floor. And my friends caught me, which was amazing. And I was so like terrified. It was like this, this experience where you're just free falling. You think I'm gonna, this is it. And then you get caught by people. And I really feel that the urgency of this passage is very much like that. He's saying, look, with many other words, he warned them strongly. Save yourself from this corrupt generation. You are in a free fall. You cannot catch yourself. You need Jesus to save you. You need Jesus to save you for salvation. You need Jesus to save you from day to day with all the different behaviors and just ways of life which are, which are corrupt and lead to death. You need Jesus to save you from these things. So I ask you again, what do you need Jesus to save you from? in particular, in your life today. You know, what is it? The promise is, if we turn away from that thing and turn towards Jesus, we receive restoration and forgiveness, and we receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. But it's not as simple as just turning, turning around. You have to let Jesus catch you. You have to let the power of the Holy Spirit do its work in your life. Because I have tried very hard to change myself in some ways, and I'm just getting to a point where I realize it, it takes Jesus. 
It takes Jesus to save you. And me and my wife are coming to a place where we realize it's going to take Jesus to help us, to save us in these areas. So our prayers have been more like, Jesus, we've tried, we need your help. That's how it's changed in my house. And I think that with all the different things that were caught up in our lives, all the different issues, and I know pastors always go down a list of like common sins so you relate to them. But honestly, uh, uh, all of the things that we talk about, addictions, uh, marital problems, uh, relational problems, all these different things, many of those are just rooted in sin. They're just rooted in us going along with the world system and agreeing with the world system. You know, I, I deserve to be happy, therefore I'm going to abandon this marriage. That's, a, that's, that's death. But that's what the world does. Uh, and so we really need Jesus to save us. We need to come to a place of surrender where we say, look, I'm free-falling. I know that you saved me from my sins, but Jesus, I need you to save me from these particular things. I really need you to help me to turn around in an area where I've given up, to stop the car, and I need you to help me turn it around because I have no ability to change myself. We need to come to a place where we truly agree with the scripture that says, apart from Jesus, you can do nothing. And where we surrender those burdens and those difficulties to the care of the Lord and say, Lord, help me to overcome. And it's such a different thing. You know, when you think, when you think I'm going to change, starting tomorrow, I'm going to do things differently. And then the next day, around six o'clock, you're like, that didn't go so well, <laughs> you know. And you feel all this pressure, like tomorrow, and you're thinking about it, you're obsessing about it, I'm going to change, I'm going to do things differently. It's such a different experience to honestly take your sin, take your lifestyle pattern, take that thing that seems so impenetrable and that you've struggled with and that you've given up on, that you've resigned to, take that thing and say, honestly say to Jesus, I need you to help me change this. I want to change this. I don't have a gun to my head, but I, I haven't hit rock bottom, but I know I need to be saved. And better to be saved before you hit disaster. Because <laughs> disaster will come. You know, I'm, God will not be mocked. You know, there's, well, you, you reap what you sow in life. We have to take that seriously as a people of God. God wants us to be free. God wants us to be living life in its fullness. God wants us to be living life and life abundantly. The thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came that we might have life abundantly. We need to be saved by Jesus. And better to take those things before him now and wait for a time in, in the future when we might be more disposed towards it. Because the way that the human heart goes, it gets hardened. It gets calloused. We accept things that are not acceptable. And we walk in them. Jesus says, turn to me. Turn away from that. Turn to me. You will receive forgiveness. And then you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit to overcome. If you surrender this to me, though you are falling off of a wall, I will catch you. And that is the promise of Jesus Christ. For some of you, you need to be saved by Jesus for the first time. You've never surrender your life to Jesus Christ. And uh, Jesus is beckoning this morning. Turn from your sin. Turn towards me. Receive forgiveness afforded through my son. And receive the gift of the Holy Spirit to live, to actually 
be free and saved from that thing that has entangled you. You will have assurance of salvation. You will have a, a relationship with Christ through Jesus' sacrifice. You've never had a relationship with Christ. It says, anyone who calls on the name of the Lord Jesus will be saved. Jesus longs to rescue people, which is what saved means. Jesus, when he was uh, on the earth in Luke, he came and he looked over Jerusalem and he wept over the city. He said, how I long to gather all of you people up underneath my feathers. He was using a chicken analogy. You know how a mother hen will cover her babies? And if there's a fire, they'll often find the mother and the babies are alive, right? Jesus is on this hill and he's looking down at Jerusalem and he just wept. He said, how I long to gather you underneath my feathers. But you were unwilling. He was, and, and you know, he knew he was about to give his life as a sacrifice for sin. And, you know, to atone for sin, you've heard that word, it means covering. He was saying, I was going to take that punishment on myself to be, be burned and all of you would be safe. But you were unwilling. Willingness was all it took for people to come to him. Yet, because people like to just walk in death and they think they have forever, they're unwilling and so they don't receive the free gift that Jesus is offering. So if you have never been saved before, this is a time to just take Jesus. Um, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord. And if you call on the name of Jesus to cover your sins, you know, like that, like that mother hen, um, Jesus will take the penalty that you deserve for your sin on himself, and you will be saved. It's as simple as that. So some need to be saved. For others, they need to be saved. <clears throat> for Christians, you've trusted Jesus for your salvation, but you just don't walk in the Spirit, putting to death the misdeeds of the body so that you can live. That's what the Scripture says. If by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Not by your human effort, but by the Spirit. And so um, you're plummeting towards the cave floor. You need Jesus to catch you. You need to change your prayers into prayers of surrender, where you say, Jesus, help me to be saved from this thing that's leading to death. Um, We are, I love the way an author put it this week, we are a turn back and be rescued people. That's who we are. That's our heritage as children of God. At any time, we can turn back and be rescued. No matter how things have gotten messed up, and no matter how responsible we are for those things, even if it's like completely our fault and we did something very foolish, we are a turn around and be rescued people. Jesus says, turn around, receive forgiveness, and receive the Spirit. We are a repent and be baptized people. We have the right, through Jesus Christ's sacrifice, to turn around at any time. It's our birthright. Turn towards Jesus. So if you've never been saved, be a turn and back and be rescued person this morning. And if you are saved already, and you have been neglecting to walk according to what God is calling you to do, you're a repent and be baptized person. You know, turn around. All you have to do is turn around. All you need to do is be willing. So as the worship team plays this morning, I've become very fond of just inviting people to come forward. Um, I used to think it was really complicated. We need to have a prayer team. We need to have people there to pray. And we need to have it all organized for other people. Coming forward is just you presenting yourself to God. God is here. His presence is here. So I, I actually have no problem saying, if God's working in your life, come forward and just stand there in God's presence and say, God, here I am. I mean, I've... 
the last three altar calls I've done, I've been the guy up there because I felt so convicted by what God's doing in my life. Just come forward. If you are receiving salvation for the first time, that rescue from Jesus, come forward. If you are wanting to walk, uh, walk out your salvation by surrendering a certain area of your life that you need Jesus to save you from in particular, take the opportunity this morning to come forward and uh, we'll worship the Lord together. But this, this time is for you and uh, we will all benefit greatly by turning around and turning towards Jesus. So the Bible says, the kingdom of God is holiness, joy, and peace in the Holy Ghost. Joy and peace, those are things that we'd all like to have. Those are things the Holy Spirit brings. It also says, the fruit of the Spirit is love and joy, peace, patience, kindness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, and goodness. Those are the fruits of the Spirit. Those are beautiful things all of us would love to have in our lives. These are the things that Jesus brings. If you do not have joy in your life, if you do not have peace in your life, there is something wrong in some ways. Um, you need to look after that and see, how do, is there something where I need to reconcile with God, where I need to receive, where I need to be saved from something so that my joy can burst forth again as a Christian? Um, there are legitimate, of course, uh, chemical imbalances. We need to be treated with medication and counseling, these things, of course. But I'm saying, on average, you should feel joy. You should feel peace in Christ. Go after that. Go after the Spirit. These are the things the Spirit brings. Surrender your life to Him. Yield to Jesus. Be filled with the Spirit. Allow Him to work this fruit into your life. Um, Jesus is in the business of saving people covering them for salvation and saving them from all kinds of sins and things that so easily entangle and giving them the joy and the peace and all the attributes that he brings uh, through his spirit. I want to bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit to be a joy-filled, peace-filled people of God. That This week you would go hard after uh, your own heart, uh, that you would look inside and allow Jesus to save you where you need to be saved that you would be a person of joy overflowing, that you would be someone whose cup is just full and overflowing with the presence of Jesus Christ. Um, Go after it. I bless you in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. And for those who came forward in particular to, to bring something before your throne, Jesus, I ask for a special dispensation of strength and grace for them, that whatever they brought forward, Lord, you would cut you cut it off or give them a tool uh, that they can move forward with in you, Jesus. Uh, if someone has prayed to receive Jesus as Savior for the first time and establish a relationship with you, bless them, Jesus. Fill them with your Holy Spirit. Let them feel the joy of your salvation. Wash over them as they walk in this new way of life, joy and peace with the Holy Ghost. We pray all of these things in Jesus' name. Amen. If you did receive Christ today, I'd love if you come to talk to me. I'd love to, to talk to you and pray with you more.